Good morning. I'm so glad to be with y'all, and what an appropriate day to start a revival. For raining outside is perfect, just like the song just indicated. We pray that God will rain down on us, that the Spirit of God would fall on this church, fall on your individual lives, and have an impact on people that are listening all on the radio or over the uh, ways that they have to be able to hear today. We're just so thankful that you've come today, and we're looking for God to do amazing things. I hope you are. Remember, today uh, we are hoping also for the amen to return to God's church again. The church needs the amen again. Amen? amen. And so don't be afraid to let it rip. Uh, whenever you feel that the Spirit of God has spoke to you today through word, just let her go. And let God be glorified through our time together today. I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Chincoteague Island, Virginia. And uh, we're so thankful that uh, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, there are people there praying for you today. There's some even watching today on, uh, on their program. And uh, we're certainly glad they're in as well. But continue to pray for us as we pray for you. And we are praying for a revival to break out in America. America needs revival. America doesn't need another election. America needs revival. America needs change. And the change can only come when God's in charge again and God's in control. And so we need to pray for that today. Will you pray with me as we prepare our hearts for what God's going to do together this week? Father, as we bow before you, we are in awe of you. You're God and you're in control. And Lord, no matter where we travel across this United States or across this world, you're there. And your power and your authority are there. And Father, we thank you that the Word of God we have today before us, Lord, was from you. It's what you want us to hear. It's what you want us to know. It's what you want us to check ourselves by. And Lord, may we have revival. Oh, Lord, we need revival. We need you again, Lord, strong in our lives and, and powerful in our lives. And Lord, we know the only way revival can come, it must begin with personal revival. There must be a change in me. I must be revived to have revival. And Father, I pray today that the Spirit of God would speak to those who know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, if there's those listening that have never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, they've always put it off to a more convenient day. Oh, Lord, I pray the Spirit would overwhelm them today. I pray today that the Spirit would fall upon them and they would understand their need and this provision you provided on that cross so long ago. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. For without you, we would have no message. We would have no good news. We'd have no hope whatsoever. Thank you, Father, for this time we have together in your word. Lord, all glory, all honor is to you today. That's why we came to church today, to worship you, to honor you. And to declare this first day of the week, this Resurrection Sunday, which is always every Sunday, that this week we, we pray, Lord, that we would live for you. We would be touched by you. Lord, help us this week to give ourselves to see what God will do if we make ourselves available. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be using the King New King James Version. I'll be reading out of John chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. If you have a Bible, you can find yourself in that translation of whatever you may have, a tablet, as we prepare to hear what God has to say to us today. As we begin this message of asking the question, are you a child of God? In John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, we find these words. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Father, we pray today that the Spirit of God would bring this word to our heart. And your word would 
not return void. It will accomplish what you intend. Thank you, Father, for this beginning of week we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. But I'm here to tell you today something that you probably already know. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. I have my rights as championed in America today. Well, that may be true here in America, but no human being has the right to go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Not everyone who dies in a nursing home goes to heaven. Not every soldier who dies on the battlefield goes to heaven. Not every church member goes to heaven. We are all made by our Creator and given that breath of life. We all had a human birth, but not everyone is a child of God. We are not a child of God until we have been born again of God. Jesus Christ, in the absolute sense, is the Son of God, fully God. John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus, but yet Jesus was before John, for Jesus is eternal. We are told the Spirit was in John, and, uh, but John the Baptist was not born a child of God in that sense. There are also absolute differences between a person that has been saved and a person that has not been saved today. This difference is explained in this passage of Scripture before us. Are you a child of God? The question is, have you been adopted by God? In the prologue of the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ is identified as fully God and fully man. He is the God-man. He is the Word that became flesh. And John goes on to explain how the world does not know who He is. He gives two explanations in the opening verses of John to explain how the world doesn't know who Jesus is. First of all, he gives the contrast between darkness and light. In John chapter 1 verse 5 it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus came to walk among lost people. He revealed who he was by what he did and how he lived. But by the darkness around him, they did not grasp that the Son of God was walking among them. The second contrast he gives identified in verses 10 through 13 that we just read, when he was with the people and he was doing the, the work around the people, they saw the evidence of who he was, but they did not receive him. Instead, most people rejected him. So we see the second contrast is in receiving or rejecting Jesus Christ. These same two contrasts exist in the world today. There's a great divide over Jesus Christ. It becomes the heated debate in many debates. Who is Jesus? Ultimately, a human being must make a choice to receive him or reject him. And there's no position in the Bible for a fence sitter. But depending on what choice we make, we will determine where and how we're going to spend eternity. No human being can go to heaven having only been born one time. We cannot go to heaven in corruptible mortal flesh. We cannot go to heaven as we are. And salvation is not a gift card we purchase in the store just in case we die. The Bible makes it clear the only way we can go to heaven when we die is we must be adopted into God's family. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 4, 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, look, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. 
What does this tell us about adoption? No matter who we think we are, what stock we came from, nobody is born a child of God. We must be adopted into the family of God. Have you been adopted by God? Are you an heir of Christ today? Are you a child of God? Well, let's look at the passage today before us and ask three questions of that passage. Who is not a child of God? How do you become a child of God? And most importantly, why do we become a child of God? And my prayer today is that the Spirit of God would begin to speak to our hearts. Lord, if we're going to have revival this week, it's going to become personal. We must personally seek God's face today. And once we receive God personally in a relationship stronger with Him, return back to Him, then the whole corporate body will benefit from that. So the first question, who is not a child of God? Well, he tells us in verse, the first verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. So we find here that we were born under another parent. There's a contempt of Jesus Christ in the world today. It is evidenced by the fall. We are all born on the wrong side of the tracks. We were born with the original sin because we were in Adam even when he sinned in the garden. But the Bible also reveals in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and continue to fall short of the glory of God. How many of you are perfect in here? Anybody perfect? Anybody not sinned this week? No, we find we continue to fall short of the glory of God. Not only have we all sinned, but we all continue to come short over over a period of time, and nobody's perfect, right? So who in the world can be a child of God if nobody's perfect? People of the world want nothing to do with Jesus. And the Bible tells us they have been captured by the devil to do his will in 2 Timothy 2.26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And in 1 John 3.10, it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. John chapter 8, 41 to 47, this, con- this relationship and conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say, they said, they, they said to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come to myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my words. You're of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaks uh, a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. If you've been saved, before you were saved, the Bible reminds us we used to walk in darkness, didn't we? Ephesians chapter 5 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, which tells us there was a different life we had before we were saved. And after we were saved, before we were born a child of God, and after. And now some will argue, I never really did anything bad in my life. Well, that's your opinion. If we want to judge what's right and wrong and what's holy and what's not holy, we have to judge it by God's Word, not by what we consider right or wrong. Before we were saved, the Bible says we walked in darkness. We lived as if we did not need Jesus as our Savior. We lived 
as a stranger to God. There's a lot of strangers to God in our community, isn't it? A lot of strangers to God in our country. And this is why people want nothing to do with Jesus and being saved. Man runs from God for sport and thinks himself clever because he has a foolish argument that God cannot overcome. Jesus Christ came from heaven, born of a virgin, and tabernacled with the people, lived among them so they could observe and hear, but they wanted nothing to do with him. And the world that lost souls of mankind did not know him. The Gentiles lived in a pagan idolatry far from the commonwealth of Israel. And even the Jewish people who had the scriptures, the chosen people of God, they did not know him and even rejected him. This is how the world treats the salvation of God. This is how the world receives the offer from God to be adopted into the forever family of God. How many people have you tried to share the gospel with and they say, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. I'm not interested in that whatsoever. No thanks. I don't want it. I don't need it. Stop trying to force your religion down my throat. I'm just as good as you are. I don't believe in, uh, in uh, anything out there, or, or I believe in science. Well, if you believed in science, you'd believe in God because science reveals there is a God. True science. The world says, crucify him, and we want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Let his blood be on our children, as the Jews said. This is ultimately what happens when a person is confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and doesn't accept him. They reject him. They reject being saved. They reject the grace and the mercy of God. And they reveal that they are not a child of God. You can see the difference. No wonder the Lord wept over Jerusalem and said in Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, who, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God loves people. And God is not rejecting people. People are rejecting God. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it reminds us why the Lord hasn't come back yet. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you've not been saved, God is not willing that you should perish. God has not rejected you. God loves you. And he's provided his sons on the cross to prove his love for you. So why did Jesus Christ come and why was he rejected? Because he was not what they were looking for. And folks, people are not looking for Jesus today. They're not interested in that. They have other things that are more important that consume their time and their energies. The people saw him as a rabbi, a teacher, a prophet, a person who sought to do good, a meal ticket. But they were looking for a military leader really to come and defeat the Romans. They were not looking for a savior to come and die on the cross And they saw him as weak, a friend of sinners, a malefactor, a man possessed with demons, a disturber of the peace, but not the Son of God, not the Savior, not the atonement, not the Passover, and not the deliverer of Israel. People see Jesus Christ as a religious figure, the founder of Christianity, but not as God in human flesh who came to save them from the wrath of God to come. Folks, lostness is horrible. It is hopeless. And it is blind pride. It is sad to see how America is today. God is kicked out of the schools because of separation of church and state that really doesn't even exist as they claim. 
But yet Satan's welcomed in with the Satan clubs. Get God out, bring Satan in. What do you think you'll end up with that? People fight not to be a child of God. You would think we would tell people they have to give up personal happiness. It'll ruin your life and they will be forced to drink Kool-Aid of death. How dark it is in understanding of the love of God. How short-sighted a soul is to miss what God is offering them today. People would rather have moth, rust, and robbers than an inheritance that does not pass away. The only request of the rich man in torment, having died without salvation, was a cool drop to cool his tongue. And please, go tell my brothers not to come here. Those who reject Jesus Christ will find out too late. All the Jews that rejected him found out too late. You know, if we advertised out front on a billboard in Mifflinburg that we were having revival services this week, and we told everybody, if you come, you're going to get a $1,000 bill when you come through the door. You know what? The parking lot would be packed. They'd be lined up down the street. They'd have to have a police officer to guide all the traffic because everyone would come for their $1,000 bill. But what is offered today, folks, money cannot buy. It is the greatest, most amazing, gracious thing that can ever happen to your life. It provides the most comfort in your life. It is the most life-changing thing you ever have. It gives the most peace about what's going on in America today. We offer the world Jesus. And God forbid... But the day will come when the rejection of Jesus Christ will become the grounds for wailing and gnashing of teeth forever. Only a child of God will go to heaven when they die. So the first question, who is not a child of God? He who does not believe, the Bible says, and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Are you a child of God? Well, the second question is, how do you become a child of God? If you're awake, say Amen. All right, that's three of you. Let's try again. If you're awake, say amen. amen. All right. How did he become a child of God? But as many as received him, the Bible says, to them he gave the right to become a children of God. You see that? The right to become a children of God. To those who believe in his name. Salvation is a gift received, not a reward earned for being good. Good people do not go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Why? Because the Bible says there are no good people in the world, period. There's no one that's good. Look at Romans chapter 3. Don't believe me. Believe the Bible. Romans 3, 10, 12 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. You see, salvation is a gift, not of works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And salvation is not trying to keep the law. That's impossible. Galatians 3, 11, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Romans 3, 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But notice what it says in the text. But as many as received him to be a child of God is to receive something from God that you do not have. And it's called salvation. There are many who use the Christian title who have never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ even warned this to be true in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them the saddest words anyone could ever hear. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We did not receive a religion about God, folks. We did not receive a moral way to heaven. We received the only possible way to be saved, Jesus Christ himself. He is the salvation of God, and he brings the salvation to us. Who is Jesus, the eternal Son of God, equal with the Father, no beginning and no end, eternal deity? Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He became fully man in the incarnation, virgin born, no earthly father. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was born to save, Matthew 121 tells us, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His message in Luke 19.10 was, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And in John 3.18, he who believes in him, that is in Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He said in Matthew 9, 6, 7, but that you may know that the Son of God has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And he declared without apology and without apology to America and the cancel culture of the day. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Jesus. And there is more, for he is the gate, he is the door, he is the ladder to heaven, he is the king of kings and lord of lords, he is the judge, he is the Lord our righteousness. In order to be saved, we must not only believe these things about Jesus, but we must receive them. We must receive him as our Lord and Savior. In John chapter 6, he declared we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Did you know that the early church Christians were called cannibals because of this text? They said, listen, they're talking about eating his flesh and blood. But at the Last Supper, he solidified this meaning. The Seder Supper he held as a Passover where the Jewish people remembered God's deliverance from Egypt. But Jesus Christ revealed the greater meaning. He is the Passover. He identified himself as the Seder Supper. He is by the bread and the wine identified. Obviously, The bread did not become his body or the wine become his blood. There he stood. But they symbolized God's salvation. And he took that bread and he declared, this is my body and broke it for you. And he took that third cup of Seder, which is a salvation cup, and he declared, this is my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Through his death on the cross, folks, he's the Lamb of God on the lintel and doorpost. He is the brazen serpent on the pole of Moses lifted in the wilderness. Here is God's plan for your eternal soul. Jesus Christ became your substitute, and he died for you, and he died for me, so we could be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. Jesus Christ means salvation. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. In John 3, 16, Jesus, remember, Jesus is the one that said this. It's so neat about it. He's the one that told Nicodemus this. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you received Jesus Christ as for sin? He says we have the right to become a child of God. That word is ekousia. It means it can be translated power, and some translations will have power. But the focus of the term means he has the authority. 
God must give you the authority to be saved. For God is the authority over salvation. And Jesus Christ declared, all authority has been given to me. The Lord gives a legitimate entitlement to you to be a child of God by making you a regenerated child of God. A change becomes. And it says, notice this word here. It's very important. This word become. The right to become a child of God. Clearly reveals we're, we're becoming something we were not before. We can't remain as we are and follow Christ. There must be a change. There must be a change. And it's not something that we can do as we'll see in a few moments. It must be something God can do. We must become something that we're not. Something different. Well, I've always believed there's a God. The devil believes that. In fact, the devil knows it to be true. So how does that save somebody? Well, I've always tried to go to church and be a good person. How is that going to save us? If that was the case, then answer me a question. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross if all you had to do was come to church to be saved? Mm. Jesus made it very clear to Nicodemus. He was a religious man, a Pharisee. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This reveals to us salvation is not a part of us no matter how good we try to be. Salvation is about being good. No, it's about being right with God. Folks, sometimes people will say, well, I just want to be, I, I think, why doesn't God just want me to be happy? I think God wants me to be happy. And we try to put something behind that that has nothing to do with God, but I want to do this because I think God wants me to be happy. No, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants us to be holy. God calls us to a completely different relationship with him. Not happy because happiness will fade away, but holiness will last forever in God's grace. And who is it that will be saved to those who believe in his name? What does it mean to believe in his name? It means that we have not just identified him rather than being. We're not Christian rather than Muslims or Buddhists or Hindus or Wiccans or New Agers. Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other name, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what does a person who received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior become? What do we become? We become a child of God. That's wonderful. This is not a saying, but it's the truth. We literally become an adopted child of the King. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know Him, us, because it did not know Him. And why does it matter that you become a child of God? Because a person that's not a child of God is going to perish when they die. John 10, 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Folks, the security of the believer lies in the fact that we become a child of God. The preservation of the saints lies in the fact that we're in the hand of the power of God. And no one can take us out. No one. They may kill you, but they can never stop you from being a child of God. 1 Peter 1, 3, 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, there it is, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not, praise the Lord, fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith of salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Are you a child of God? Who is not a child of God? We've looked at how do you become a child of God? Can you handle one more? Well, you're going to get it anyway. 
Why do we become a child of God? This is so important. Why do we become a child of God? He tells us in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who were born. Salvation is a real event. It's a real moment that happens in your life, just like your birth. A real rebirth. And Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus thought Jesus meant a physical birth, and he knew that was impossible. And reincarnation is a lie proven by that very principle. But the Lord told us, born again, born from above, and he identified it as a spiritual birth, a new relationship with God. But when it comes to this spiritual birth, it is impossible for man to make it happen. When the Lord told the disciples how hard it was for a person to be saved, what did they say to him? They said, well, then who can be saved? In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, they looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With men it is impossible to be saved, but with God all things are possible. A great contrast. It is impossible for a human being to be saved. It is impossible for you and me to adopt ourselves into the family of God any more than it would be for us to adopt ourselves into somebody else's family. And verse 13 explains all the ways that we cannot be saved and then brings us to how we can be saved. Look what it says. We're not of blood. We're not born of blood. This salvation does not come of blood. In other words, it's not hereditary. It is not passed from parent to child through bloodline. Not given to us as a gift from our grandparents. It is not in your genes or in your DNA. It is not family pedigree. It is not a Christmas gift from Aunt Jane or Uncle Albert. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Folks, we inherit corruption from blood, Ken. We inherit the seed of Adam, but we do not inherit grace. Grace comes from God alone. Grace is given us something we don't deserve, something we can't earn. The Jews believed they were right with God because they were of Abraham. But in Romans 9, 6, 7, they are told, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. And the Bible makes it clear salvation is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, again, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. In Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but... Praise the Lord, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift is something we receive, we do not possess. It is not a payment for being good. Even born-again Christians do not reproduce born-again Christians. Not of blood, human means. It also goes on to tell us it's not of the will of the flesh, which means not of personal effort or decision. I think I will follow Jesus. Really? I think I will adopt the Christian faith. You know how long it will last if we just try to do it on our own? We do not have the power to save ourselves, much less maintain that kind of relationship with God. You can will yourself to go on a vacation or retire at a certain age if God wills. But one thing you can't do, you cannot will yourself to go to heaven. Well, I hope I go to heaven. Well, hope is not good enough. Jesus Christ is the hope. He's the one that secures our relationship. Any logical, sane person would say, I would rather go to heaven than to hell. 
but nobody can will themselves to heaven. Jesus identified these people as robbers in John 10.1. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You see, salvation does not come by our will, not by our making up our own beliefs, but by how we think we'll get to heaven. If that were the case, then why would Jesus die on the cross? We cannot will away the judgment of God over our life. We cannot acquit ourselves of what we've done wrong. Our will was invoked in the Garden of Eden. That didn't turn out very well, did it? And people are always saying what they believe is required for heaven. Well, that's your will, not God's will, and not His Word. How is that going to save you? You see, we cannot will the regeneration of our soul. We cannot will our sins away. So he tells us it's not of blood. It's not, it's not passed down from generation to generation. It's not of the will of the flesh. It's not what I will to do. And it says not of the will of man, which means not of human orientation. In other words, I cannot save you. Wayne cannot save you. A priest cannot save you. The Pope cannot save you. No one can save you but Jesus. No one can stand in and say, I will you to be saved, and you will be. How many times do we hear people talk about people that have gone on to heaven? Well, I just know they're up there in heaven. Well, how do you know? Well, I, I, I just know she's not hurting anymore. How do you know that's true? See, that's your will. But the only way that could be possible is they were saved by Jesus Christ before they died. Are you a child of God? And listen, this also applies to the church. A pastor or anyone in the church can't save you. Infant baptism doesn't save you. Church membership doesn't save you. So how can we be saved? It says, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Well, then pray, tell me. And Jesus says, but of God. Folks, salvation is of God and only of God. Salvation is not a human in creation. It is not a specific religious belief that we've been poured around or decided to accept and follow. It was not the invention of those who wrote the holy writ of Scripture. But God Himself is the only one that can regenerate you. He's the only one that can save you. And He offers you that gift today. Not tomorrow, because you die before you get home. He offers you that gift today. God can sanctify you. God can glorify you. God knows everything about your life and every dark thing about my life. But by grace, you can be saved. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of the corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, only God, who we offended by our sin, can remove our sin debt by placing His Son on the cross in your place. Wow. Who would do that? Who would give their child for people on death row and let that child take the penalty instead? Salvation focuses of God. Why? Because God so loved the world. God created you. He gave you life, and He wants to give you eternal life. But you must receive that gift. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? And to all who receive this gift of God, God rebirths us. Listen, to become a child of God instantly in that moment when Christ comes into our life, when the Spirit inhabits us from that point on, we become a child of God. 
2 Corinthians 6, 8. You know, you can come in a child of the devil and go out a child of God. Isn't that great? That's wonderful. People's, what a change when somebody gets saved. What a change. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the O Lord Almighty. Are you a child of God? Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy was great, and grace was free. Pardon that was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Have you found that liberty? Have you found that freedom in Jesus Christ that the world cannot take away from you? What's going to happen to you if you do not receive this gift from God? Today, folks, the Bible says it's the day of salvation. Tomorrow is too late. Are you a child of God? The good news is you can be. And if you are, you should have a hearty praise you, Lord, for saving my soul today. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you, we pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be in the midst of us in this time of invitation, Lord. Invitation is given for the purpose of letting a person have the opportunity to let the word that's been washed over them minister to their hearts. We pray, O oh Lord, today that the Spirit of God is at work in people's lives. Lord, those who perhaps have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they, they never thought they were good enough. Well, Lord, the good news is you tell us they're not good enough, but you are. And you will save them from anything they've done. There's nothing they've done that's any worse than what you've saved me from. And Father, today can be a change in their life forever if they will simply receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, you make it so simple for us, Lord, that we can simply pray to you, Lord God, and seek your face at that moment in our life. We can cry out from the Scriptures. We can even quote the Scripture back to you if we will confess with our mouth. In other words, it has to be from our heart, from our will to you. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Lord, when we cry out, recognizing, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died on that cross for me. By faith, I believe that. I believe that was where you paid for every evil thing I've ever done in my life. It was right there that you secured my salvation. And Lord Jesus, I know on the third day you rose again from the dead to bring us the possibility of eternal life. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray today you would speak to the hearts of those that may not have made a decision for you yet. Lord, may this be today they cry out to you right where they sit, Lord God. Oh, Lord, if this is their desire to come and, and, and to pray, I'll be glad to pray with them. And I know Brother Wayne will as well, Lord, that the day would be a changing point in their life. This is the most holy moment in the entire day we've had because this is when decisions were made forever. And, Lord, for born-again believers, oh, Father, sometimes we forget we're a child of God. Sometimes we forget who we are and where when we go out in the world, we tend to be more like the world, unintentionally perhaps, but we do. Oh, Father, I pray today you would begin a fire in our heart. I pray you would rain down the Holy Spirit on this, this message and on this opportunity and this invitation, Lord, that hearts that are out there that are Christians that have just been kind of getting along, just trying to get by. Lord, maybe we be set on fire again. 
May we return back to the moment of our adoption. May we go back to realize what Christ has done for us. Oh Lord, may we realize that we still need to live for you. We still need to follow you. And it's not over yet. It's just getting ready to begin. Father, may you touch human hearts. Lord, no matter what age we are, we all need to be touched by your word. And that's when revival begins. When we say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. It's me, Lord, that needs you to touch my heart. Father, do your work and your business. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to simply just be a tool as an instrument for the Word. Thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of Brother Wayne here and as being a tool for the Word of God. Lord, may the Word go forth, and I know it will not return void. And Lord, may this week be a change in our life. Yes, the world's not going to change. America may not even change. But Lord, the church can. The church can return to being what we need to be in Jesus Christ. We pray your will be done today in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Wayne. Thank you for your patience. I think this is an important enough moment in our church and on this day that we just take a few minutes and quiet ourselves and answer that question. Are you a child of God? That is a choice that we make, every one of us. Every one of us must come to that time in our lives when we say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for my sins, and today I choose you. And this morning, I believe there might be some people who are here who have never made that choice and that decision. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to do something we don't do very often. But I just want to ask that question. And if you want me to know that you're thinking about that and you're weighing that and you're praying maybe in your heart and you're asking God to show you the truth, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. We don't do this very often, but I think today's a good day to do that. Would you bow your heads and would you raise your hand if you're thinking about that today? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord Jesus, you've seen these hands. You know the journey that we're on. You know each of these people who have acknowledged in their heart that today they are asking that question and they're thinking about that. I pray that just now, they would open their heart to Jesus, that they would respond to that question, and they would say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins and come into my heart. I want to be your child. I want to be a child of God. And I know today, as they say that prayer, that you will hear that prayer, you know that heart, and you will respond to them. I'm thankful today that we can become a child of God, and I pray that each of these that have raised their hand today would now make that decision and ask you to come into their heart. I pray that you would help them to understand what it means to be a child of God, what it means that, that God loves us so much that he wants a relationship with us, and that today would be a new step in that journey, I pray. I pray that their faith would grow stronger and they would continue to look and listen to your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your attention today. If you want to talk to Pastor Kevin or myself or another believer today about 
your life and your choice to be a child of God. Please do that. Thanks for being here this morning. We will be here at 6 o'clock tonight and hope that you can join us. God bless. Bye-bye.